listening to the Upper Room Frisco podcast. To learn more about UR Frisco, please visit upperroomfrisco.com. Oh, hey, while we're just in this place of prayer and with our hearts turned towards the Lord, I um, I want to pray for the situation in, in the Ukraine um, and just, just join with me, just agree with me. You know, it, the thing about prayer, um, which we're going to talk a little bit about tonight, is that it doesn't have to be pretty to be effectual. You don't have to feel it for God to hear it. Amen? So Lord, we, we come to you, O Prince of Peace, and we ask that peace like a blanket would settle over that whole region where there is war right now. We pray that you would miraculously diffuse this whole situation, that you would that you would touch and, and, and visit the leaders of those nations, that you would visit uh, Vladimir Putin and, and President Zelensky, Lord, that there would be uh, clarity from heaven that would overtake their hearts. We pray for a miraculous end to this conflict and that there would be uh, a sacred uh, testimony-filled saving of lives, Lord. We pray that you would take the death out of this, Jesus. Send angels, protect your saints, protect the churches. We say yes, Lord, to all of those wonderful uh, believers over there that are boldly just standing with you in this moment. We pray that they would be, they would be experiencing visitations. They would, they would be filled with the spirit. They would know that you've got their back, Lord. Lord, we know that ultimately, even if these physical bodies end, we get to be in your arms forever, Lord, but we pray that they would be supernaturally, physically protected, Jesus. Save, deliver. Jesus, we pray for even the ones behind the scenes, pulling strings, Lord, the ones that have uh, influence, authority, and a voice to to steer uh, these nations, God, and that you would that you would grip their heart with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you would do that thing where you turn men from their ways. Visit them in the night with dreams, Lord. Give them the kinds of dreams that turn men from their direction. God, we pray that this this horrible event, Lord, we we pray that even this would turn into something for for your glory, that there would be a, a, a turning to you all over the world, Jesus because we know that you work all things for our good, even these horrible things, God. So we, we just, we pray, God, that you would restore what the enemy has stolen sevenfold. God, bring hope back. And just a miraculous end to this conflict. Father, I want to pray for, for Putin again. God, that you would do for him what you've done for us in this room. You would visit him, change his life, have him fall to his knees, declare that you're, you're the Lord. Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for, for going there with me. Uh, we are a house of prayer. Um, the, the vision and heartbeat of Upper Room is that we would minister to the heart of God through worship and prayer, and we experience His presence transforming lives morning, noon, and night. 
which is why we've, uh, we've aimed to have morning, noon, and night prayer sets where saints gather to minister to him to, and to, to pray. So we believe that our prayers change things. And we believe that Jesus's directive when he, you know, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, you know, the first thing he did is he, he went to the temple and, and let them know what the father's house is supposed to be about, right? He, he cleansed the temple. He saw the, the money changers and people buying, buying doves and people, you know, they're basically selling cheap worship, you know, to the Lord. And he's turning those tables. They're selling, you know, the, the sacrificial system. He goes in, he's turning that over. He's like, don't you, the, the fulfillment of the sacrificial system is standing before you. You know, I'm thinking that these are the things that are going on behind the, the scenes in his mind. Like, and, and, he's, and he proclaims, you know, that my father's house will, will be called the house of prayer for the nations. That's from Isaiah 56, 7. And when you go and read that, uh, that famous chapter, you find out that not only will, you know, the, the church or the, the gathering of saints be known as a house of prayer for the nations, but it also says that he'll give us joy in the house of prayer. Like the, this is a fulfilling and fun thing. In fact, like the, the whole aim and purpose of our life, we, from birth, there's like a homing beacon inside of our spirit seeking the beauty of the Lord. And it's only fulfilled when we come into his arms. That's, that's why we're creating a, a place here to, to worship him. And, and we've noticed that as we've been putting his presence first, he has been showing up and taking care of us. It's interesting that that reality, uh, that when, when we say, uh, come, Lord Jesus, come, he says, come kids, come. He's, and he's, he's gathering and he's healing. And, um, you know, all the way at the end of the Bible, there's one of those most famous passages where it says the spirit and the bride say, come, let him who hears say, come, and let everyone who thirsts come freely. Take this free water of life. Drink freely of this, this water of life. And recently, I've, I've noticed that there's, um, there's a calling to the Lord, and it's as if the Lord is calling to humanity afterwards. So go, go here with, we don't have to flip over there. I just want to just unpack this real quick. You know, the spirit and the bride say, come, that's a very much a divine, like we're, we're calling to the Lord saying, come, come Lord, come. But then there's like, it's like a flip that happens. Everyone who thirsts, come and drink. And even though those words aren't in red, I believe, I mean, those words are quoting Isaiah 55. You know, ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and drink. Drink this for free. You don't need money to drink this. It, it's echoing the words of Jesus where he's saying like, if, you know, at, at Shaba, what's going on? The, the uh, keyboard wants to join the service again. Um, <laughs> um, we're going to have a talk later. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, so 
when we're, when we're like calling to the Holy Spirit to come, we're, we're summoning the Lord. The Lord summons the people and draws the people and gives us a drink. It's, and Jesus, you know, he's saying the same kinds of things to the woman at the well. Like if you would have asked me for a drink, whoo, you know, or this, this cup that you drink will turn into a river. Springs of living water will flow from your innermost being. Like his, that's, that's the power of his face. That does, that's the power of his presence. It's like, a, it's like one sip of water and we're turned into the Colorado River, you know? Ever flowing with his presence. There's just a, a transformation that happens. And so we've been uh, having a lot of manifestations of God's power. Um, you know, that, that verse where Paul says, uh, I didn't come to you with persuasive and eloquent words. Cause I didn't want your faith to rest on a cool teaching. Essentially. I didn't want your faith to rest on that, but with demonstrations of the spirit's power. So Paul is saying like, yeah, it, it's good to be able to like teach and preach, but you know, what's even better when you see the teacher show up and do amazing things. And we've been experiencing uh, some of that. We've been seeing some healings and um, really cool stuff, even creative miracles. Uh, Last Sunday, I I felt like God wanted to do some healings um, on Saturday, you know, the the night before Sunday. And so I texted my, some of my, my most prophetic friends and I said, hey guys, I want you to seek the Lord and ask him what kind of physical ailments he wants to heal on Sunday morning. And so they got words of knowledge. You all know what a word of knowledge is? Give me a who if you've ever given a word of knowledge. <laughs> yes, it's good. It means a word of knowledge is it's, it's a biblical gift of prophecy where you have, a, like, you know, a piece of information about someone that you didn't know in the natural. God told you a secret, essentially, and often it's for healing of bodies. And so I asked them, hey, ask for words of knowledge for things that God wants to heal in, in the morning. And so they were like, uh, six of us lined up and they went through the things and, and I just had everyone say, if that applies to you, stand. And then we, we prayed and y'all, there were so many healings this morning. A lot of people came back and, and I said, who last week experienced a, a pretty major physical change like when we prayed and, and a bunch of hands went up, people came forward to testify. Uh, we've, we've had, We've had knees get healed. We've had uh, an ear open up. We've had an, uh, an elbow that was um, that you couldn't even touch. The pain went away. Two two elbows. Come on now. Um, <laughs> uh, I I uh, I got had the opportunity to speak at a, at a youth gathering and and I just told Jesus stories. This is last week. I just told Jesus stories and um, and encounters and just kind of like those those stories that kind of stretch you beyond like, you know, oh, that's, that's actually a pretty wild miracle. You know, I was telling those kinds of stories. And at the end, the youth pastor said, Hey, anyone who uh, wants to testify of what God did in you uh, during this gathering, come forward. So he's like asking any brave teens to stand up and, you know, like if you're a teen, it takes a lot of bravery to stand up in front of a bunch of other teens, but a couple kids came forward and we're giving their testimonies what God did during the service. And then this uh, sweet, you know, 15, 16 year old girl came forward and, and she said, she said, mom, 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 because her mom was in the room and, and, and she's got the mic and she said, I, 
um, I used to be a, a, a cutter. And while Jeremy was telling stories about the Lord, my scars disappeared. And her, her, mo- her mom was there. I'm, I'm sorry, I went there. I know that's, that's intense. Uh, but I, I mean, it was just the, the youth pastor almost fell over like under the power of the Lord when she, when she said that and her mom being in the, in the room, it was just, it was just incredible. And I was just thanking God that he not only um, would heal this girl's heart, but remove the stains of it all, remove the, even the memory. Like he would, he like, he remembers our sins no more. And like, here's evidence. Like, (laughs) anyway, it's been, uh, it's been wonderful. And, you know, I, we don't claim to know what we're doing very often around here. In fact, it's, it's pretty rare. And I'm not saying that we know why this is happening. First of all, I, I know for sure it's because God loves us. He loves to heal. He, he hates when his, his kids are in pain. And really, like all, all sickness, death, torment, uh, lack, poverty, uh, even, um, even warfare and, and um, natural disasters, all of those things came into our like, creation after the fall. It's, it's what the domain of darkness deals in, right? It's what Satan, that's, that's his jurisdiction. He's the one doling out sickness and disease, right? That's why when Jesus came and proclaimed the kingdom, he started undoing all that stuff, like systematically. When, when there was hunger, he multiplied Food. When there was a storm, a natural disaster, he calmed it so that nature responded to the presence of the king, right? When there were people with ailments, he healed them. And you can like see the domain of darkness shaking. So like we know that he loves us and we know that the kingdom is advancing. Um, but I also feel it's really important that uh, as a body, we're not, just, we're not just making space for the Lord, like making space for the Lord is the first step. But we're actively, actively like trying to be actively engaged with him in conversation with him, asking him how he wants to manifest the kingdom in our gatherings. It's the difference uh, between being open to the gifts of the spirit and actually stepping out and risking and practicing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right? You know, if if. I were to go on a date with my wife and just make space for her, I could sit at the table silently waiting for her to say something, right? That wouldn't be a good date. <laughs> make, but I, I would engage with her. And we're, we're the Lord's bride, right? He's our groom. Like we're engaged with him, talking with him. And, and so we're not just making space for him. We are actively seeking out how he might want to do something. And often we are just... We can, sometimes we have a pretty strong prophetic uh, sense about something. And sometimes we have a very weak impression that the Lord might want to do something. And sometimes y'all hear me out. We just step out and believe that God will like show up. That's how good he is, right? It's kind of like, sometimes it's the chicken or the egg, you know, like, <laughs> like God, God showed up. And so we all got free and like healings broke out. Or we all started to have a lot of fun and party and the Lord couldn't resist. 
Both are good. Um, and there's, there's, it's a, it's like a both and, you know, we, we, there are these verses that talk about how we pursue the Lord who never leaves us, right? Or we, we draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. And, and this is, it's humans. We're putting our best language on a spiritual reality because how can you draw closer to a God who is already closer to you than your own skeleton, Right? But the Lord wants us actively engaged. I believe we engage our wills. We step into a conversation with him and wonderful things happen, right? And so we're seeing some of these awesome things happen in, in our gatherings and in our homes and in our home groups. Uh, one of the healings happened in a, in a small group uh, this past week. There's your plug for small groups. Um, last week, I, I on Sunday morning, I know Sunday evening, Israel came and Israel Lambert spoke and did an awesome job. Uh, Sunday morning, I spoke and um, I gave a a teaching around the the section of scripture from Second Corinthians three, where it talks about um, the old covenant coming with glory that was fading. Moses putting a veil over his face and, and, and coming. And when you come to Christ, that veil is removed. Cause even when, when Moses is, is preached, even to this day, a veil comes over their faces, but only when you come to Christ is that veil removed. And then there's that incredible verse where it says, and, and we all with unveiled faces are beholding or contemplating the glory of the Lord. We're beholding him with these unveiled faces and we're being transformed from glory to glory, ever increasing glory into that very image of the Lord. His face is the only face that has the power to change our face. Like it's amazing when we, when we gaze upon him. And, and it's, not just a, it's not just a physical reality. In fact, I would say most of us are more familiar with the internal transformation of the Lord. But y'all, crazy stuff happened in the Bible and all throughout history with people's actual physical visage being transfigured by the presence of the Lord. And so last week, I, I, we jumped all the way back to... Um, Exodus 33 and 34 and covered Moses going up the mountain when he said, show me your glory, Lord. And the Lord said, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. And Moses came down like, like his face lit up like a light bulb, right? And he didn't even know it. And all of his buddies were freaking out. Could you imagine that? Woo, that would be fun, right? Like it's, it actually happened. Like I know that we read these stories and they, they feel like so long ago and so far detached, but it actually happened and can happen again today, which is why I went to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration and Stephen standing before his murderers when his face lit up like an angel. It's in Acts 6.15 if you're, if you're looking for it. So... We all know that there's an inward transformation where we're going from glory to glory, but I told some cool stories last week about actual physical manifestations of the Lord. It really changes things in our, in our paradigm, in our belief system, when we start to think that Jesus might swing those double doors open and walk in with his resurrected body, right? 
That'll put a little butterfly in your stomach and make you realize you're in a sacred gathering. You're afraid to walk in, but you're afraid to walk away. You know, kind of, <laughs> kind of church. You ever been to gatherings like that? Where you're like, I am a little bit hesitant to walk in here because what is God going to do? But then you're like, but what is God going to do? Like, I don't want to miss it. That would happen in the first century church. You know, there was so much power present. People were kind of afraid to get close to the apostles. <sighs> And so I covered those verses um, and I told some stories and they were the types of stories that would really, you know, could you know, stretch your, your brain a little bit. And um, I, I do those kinds of things on, on purpose. I, I do want us to have a, a belief uh, system or, or, or platform where we can, we can believe for some of these greater works we, and, and a paradigm shift that it's not, we're, Christianity isn't just a mental ascent, y'all. Like, we're not just following a clever set of rules. There is a resurrected living man who is our best friend. Like, Jesus isn't just a better way to live. And Jesus isn't just the bridge to God. He is God. Isn't that amazing? Like, he is the way to the Father, but he also perfectly manifests the Father and said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know, he is. I digress. He's wonderful in, in every way. And um, the reason I'm giving you a quick recap is because cool things happened again. And uh, I um, went home, I drove home from the Sunday morning service and a couple hours later, a buddy texted me and said, dude, that was awesome. Did you know that it's Transfiguration Sunday? And I was like, what? <laughs> Question mark, exclamation point. <laughs> And then I looked it up, and, and sure enough, are you guys familiar with the common lectionary? Uh, it, so if you don't know, worldwide, in the tra- like traditional expressions of Christianity in, in the Catholic world, in the Eastern Orthodox, and many Protestant, Protestant churches use what's called the common lectionary, which is basically, it maps out the whole year, what you're going to preach about, and it, and it has the... Uh, the verses uh, that you would preach from. And sure enough, I had no idea, but as I was teaching from the transfiguration out of Luke 9 and Matthew 17, I found out worldwide, hundreds of thousands of believers were hearing those same scriptures. Isn't that cool? I had no idea. It was like the Lord just like encouraging me that I didn't destroy my church. Because uh, those, those stories were challenging, like, and I know they were. They're, they're, they're the kinds where you, you either had to um, you know, say of me that I am crazy or a liar or I am like, telling the truth of the Lord. It's those kinds of stories. And Jesus had that kind of situation happen to him all the time. But um, anyway, I found out it was Transfiguration Sunday, Sunday, which is really, really cool. And then get this, two nights later, I'm hanging out with buddies and uh, we go out for dinner. It's a friend's birthday and he wants to have steak. And so we go to a nice steak restaurant, which is hallelujah, taste and see. <laughs> and, uh, <clears throat> and we sit down and the waitress comes forward and she's a sweet lady, about 50 years old. And she starts going through her um, welcome spiel, you know, and the specials. And, and I'm just sitting there like looking at my menu and I look up and I'm smiling like, kind of just with a pleasant look on my face. And she, she looks up and locks eyes with me and goes, 
<laughs> and she, she says, what, what is happening? And my buddy, my buddy Will just puts a hand on her arm and goes, more Lord. <laughs> She's like, I don't know. Like, I just looked at you and, <laughs> and she begins guffawing, like barreled over, like, <laughs> and, and all of us are laughing. We're all getting filled with the Holy Spirit. We're experiencing the joyful ecstasy of his presence. And she's never experienced this before. And no one said a word to make it happen. And, you know, again, I don't tell these stories to point to me. I tell these stories to point to Jesus. Like, like he's doing something amazing and new. And I just want to invite you into that story of what God is doing in, in our body um, there's, there's been so many healings and the, the whole uh, transfiguration thing. And that was just cool. That's why I wanted to bring you up to speed. Um, a lot of people might ask, because <clears throat> that woman laughed for, I, I'm, no exaggeration, my buddies are here to testify this morning. That woman laughed for at least a full minute. A minute doesn't sound long unless you're laughing uncontrollably in a restaurant where you're supposed to be working. Like, twas a spectacle. (laughs) Twas a sign that made people wonder. (laughs) And we were enjoying the Lord so much that I I forgot to even look around and see what the tables around us were doing. But people might ask, well, why? That's a great question. I I think the same. I'm, I'm analytical and I would ask, you know, but what is this unto, Lord? And, and I would confidently respond, I have no idea. Like, I, I do know that God loves to, he's incredibly invested in our joy. He wants his kids happy. There's not a parent in here. I'm, I, have, I have five kids. I, like, I am obsessed with bringing my kids joy. I really am. Like, when, when <clears throat> I do something that lights up their world, it brings me such delight. Or when I see them playing so well together, like I, I'm, that's like the happiest thing. And parents, you can, you can testify, like it's wonderful when you're having a good time with your kids, but there's something even like more sacred when you see your kids having a good time together. You're like, woo. So he's invested <clears throat> in our joy. And, and you know, all throughout uh, history, there are, uh, written testimonies of saints and monks and fathers of the faith and nuns getting caught up into these ecstatic experiences with the Lord. And then <clears throat> even as recently as the days of Charles Finney, this isn't a laughing you know, thing, but Charles Finney walked into a, a cotton mill uh, with the, the glory of the Lord on him. And And he didn't say a word. He just walked into the middle of this place. And when people saw him, they stopped working. And like machines were shutting down and people were falling to their knees, repenting and and weeping and turning to the Lord. And everyone who worked in the factory stopped working. And and it was a massive turning to Jesus. It was was 3,000 people. And he he didn't preach a word. He just walked in and the the presence of God was on him. Isn't that incredible? That's why the the Lord abhors a haughty look because his, 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 his,
countenance comes through what he's created right here. Uh, we're coming up on uh, the 30-year anniversary of the Toronto outpouring. Y'all ever heard of the Toronto outpouring? <laughs> hey, holy roller back there. Um, Toronto outpouring 30 years ago was a, a gathering at the uh, airport vineyard church in, uh, in, in Toronto, of course. And crazy manifestations, like wild manifestations where people were <clears throat> falling and to the ground and, and rolling and filled with the spirit and laughing uncontrollably and reporting it, you know, feeling like, uh, like being in, in, intoxicated with joy and people having to be carried out. They can't be driven home. Like they have to be driven home and, and it lasted for, for a long time and, and it spread throughout the world. But the Toronto Vineyard was a vineyard church from the Vineyard Movement, and John Wimber was in charge of the Vineyard Movement. And John went there with some, some people from, uh, it started in Anaheim, so they flew from Anaheim to, to Toronto to witness what's going on. And you know what? They stood opposed to it, and they said, this, we, this, you can't keep doing this and be called a vineyard. And, um, and so Toronto Vineyard, uh, they had the airport vineyard there, they had a... Uh, a situation to address. And, and you know, what happened is uh, John Wimber traveled back and I don't know what happened, but his heart was open. He was made aware. He flew back there, repented to them and said, this truly is of the Lord. But the reason he didn't get behind it originally is because it was weird. It was bizarre, right? You know, people, we... We tend to react in demonstrative ways when unending power and love hits our mortal frame. You know, the voice of the Lord has the power to twist the cedars and, and break the oaks. You know, it hovers over the water and thunders. Love that, that passage where it says, when the voice of the Lord thunders, every pregnant calf gives birth. Come on, like, that's crazy. What does that look like? <laughs> and, but when the voice of the Lord hits us, like we're shaking, we're reverberating, but we're not shattering. You know, he's created the human frame so perfectly to resonate with his voice and respond to his power. But these people were falling out and laughing and experiencing joy and deliverance. And you know what? Do y'all remember like what 2020 was like and 2021 was like? I think God would, I mean, we're, we're due for some laughter. We're due for like some ecstatic joy of the Lord. Like we've had enough of heaviness and morose thoughts and impending doom. Like no, hope, joy, peace, righteousness, and the Holy Ghost. Like, like I believe that, yes, when he comes, y'all know I, I weep. Like I'm a weeper. You've seen me cry. I'm always the guy that has to do the transition when I, you know, like I'm, I get up here after worship and I'm and I'm crying. Like yes, the presence of the Lord turns like these tear ducts into waterfalls, and like there is there is there's deep conviction and turning to Him and deep you know revelation. But also, I want you to have a paradigm that He can make you ridiculously joyful. I mean, joy overflowing, like full of glory. Jesus said, I've told you these things so that your joy would be complete. Joy to the full. Like, 
Jesus was anointed with the oil of joy above all of his companions. And all we have are usually are just movies of him saying, yes, I'm Jesus. But no, like he was the coolest, happiest, funnest guy to be around. I love the chosen. The chosen is starting to tap into that joyful side of Jesus, isn't it? So we're experiencing all this, these cool healings and whatnot, and, um, and it's awesome. And, you know, this, this morning, uh, my, our eight-year-old woke, up, woke Ashley and I up, gosh, it was like 2.30 or 3 a.m., and I've kind of been awake since then, um, <laughs> but she had a, a, a stuffy nose. And you know, when you're that age, you don't know how to compartmentalize it. You've never not been able to breathe out of both your, both your nostrils before. And so she comes down and wants help and we take care of her and I, I get up and we're, give her a, like a hot shower and cover her with some oils and give her a nice seat, you know, a, a bed on the couch downstairs. And I go over and kneel down next to her and I, I lay hands on her. I gently put my hand on her forehead and I start just... Um, commanding or praying or speaking to her nasal passages to open, open up in, in Jesus' name. Like, be healed. Like, respond right now. And, um, you know, I don't think anything happened. Like, there wasn't, like, some powerful moment. We didn't feel anything. It didn't seem like there was vast improvement. Um, but do you guys think that I looked at my nine-year-old daughter and said, hey, were you doubting when I prayed? That would be awful. Like, if any parent in here has done that, be healed. There's, it's a new day, no shame. But um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't put that on her. Like, let me say it like this. <clears throat> it's not until you pray for a sick child that you really get confronted with your beliefs and the words that come out of your mouth because it's a sacred moment and you don't want to do anything that would twist or distort that precious girl's view of her good father in heaven. How much more does our father in heaven love every single one of us in this room than I love my sweet little daughter? You know, Bill, Bill Johnson talks about healings a lot out of, at Bethel Church. They're known for like cool miracles and, and uh, testimonies galore. And he says, uh, and so he's, he's really good at teaching on healing. And he'll say things like, we don't want to build a theology around failure. In other words, we don't want to give a thousand explanations as to why someone doesn't get, get, get healed Yes, we'd, we'd want to comfort them, but we just want to keep on pressing in for healing. We want to keep laying hands and believing in faith. And, and because it's, it's a mystery. There, there are just a million things going on in the unseen realm that for us to just uh, authoritatively like say, the reason you didn't get healed is thus and such. It's, it's, it's sacred ground that we should walk on delicately. And I don't want us to, um, you know, make a bunch of... Uh, theology or ideas or teachings on why people don't get healed. I just want us to lay hands on more people. Yeah. just want us to keep on praying for people and seeing more and more miracles. Are y'all with me in that? Yeah. Does that make sense? So like we just, we just prayed for the Ukraine, right? 
And, um, and it, was, it was a simple prayer. There were moments when I, like, I felt emotion, which is, which is wonderful. Our emotions are like wonderful touch points and places where we get to encounter the heart of God. Uh, our emotions are, are wonderful servants, but they're horrible masters. And I, and the, but there were moments as, as I was praying, I was feeling it. And, but most of the time I was just praying. I, I was praying what I felt was the heart of God to end the conflict and bring peace and save lives. But like what, let's say like I lined up like six or seven people up here and we all like prayed for a minute or two, our, our prayers for, for Ukraine. And, and at, the, at the end, what if I like interviewed the audience and I said, okay, so who do you think prayed the best? Who do you th- whose, whose prayer do you think the Lord heard? Whose prayer do you think is changing things? That would be awkward, right? Like, but sometimes we, we think that, and, and, and as we're praying, we're doing these mental gymnastics, right? We're thinking, okay, I am going to pray with authority, and I'm not going to let a single thought of doubt trail through my consciousness, you know, like we're, we're doing these things like trying to not, like not do, like we're, we're trying to work ourselves up into faith and, and, and believing that like it all depends on us saying the right words or saying it in the right way or with enough authority or confidence or whatever, when like really it depends on the goodness of the Lord and his faithfulness to us, right? We get to rest in what he has done for us. And when we step into his heart for humanity, it transcends whether or not we think that we have enough faith for the moment. See, Jesus never gave us a formula for healing people. He, he healed people in different ways, like every single time, because he didn't want us to get stuck in some sort of, you know, uh, robotic system of, you must pray these words now like a robot to get my power to come. Like, no, here's the thing. Uh, a person who is mute could heal someone. You could, you could pray over someone's knee and say, receive the healing of the Lord. We just speak through those, those joints and those connective tissues and command them to respond to the blood of Jesus and our authority as believers. It's a great prayer. Great prayer, right? But someone who like has like, you know, maybe they're just like full of the Holy Spirit and, and like they've got the heart of the Lord or, or I don't even know why. Maybe they've got a gift of healing or for some reason God just wants to use this person and they just come up and say, shibbity be, 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 be healed, little knee. Y'all, I've seen it. I've seen people get healed of cancer with a sticky note. See, now you'll have to either decide whether I'm a liar or I'm encouraging you in the Lord. Like, this legitimately happened. It was one of the biggest testimonies in my hometown back in Lansing, Michigan. This guy got healed of cancer. He was about to have to go under the knife. But when we put a sticky note on him and said, this is a leaf of healing from the tree of life, <laughs> revelation, you know, receive the, you know, the, the leaves that are for the healing of the nations. <laughs> we stuck it on him and the guy got healed. He went to the oncologist the next day and the guy's like, what did you do? All the tumor masses are gone. Hey, Sometimes I, th- I feel like we treat prayer like it's a strongman test at the carnival. 
You know those ones where you're, you're given a big mallet and you walk up to the lever and you're trying to hit the thing as hard as you can to throw the like metal hockey puck all the way up to the bell and make the, the ding, like, you know? And, you, and we treat prayer like that. We're like, oh, if I can just do this with all my strength and don't let, don't let any doubt in. And we're trying to send our prayer up and ring the bell of heaven. I think that um, I think that doubt has been misportrayed as the enemy of faith, but often doubt is the path to real faith. See, God isn't afraid of our doubt. He isn't afraid of our hard questions. In fact, if we have doubt when we're praying, it just means that there are hard questions that we're we're not processing with the Lord. And and I know like. The, the longer I've walked with the Lord, the more I've realized he is completely comfortable and happy to receive my hard questions, dare I say, even accusations. He's big enough. He smiles at me and says, Let, take, take a walk with me, son. You know? And, and I'm not saying that I have like all, I have more mysteries now. You know, as I've, as I've aged with the Lord, you think that you get a lot more things figured out, but instead you're just swept up into more of this glorious mystery in, in, in him. But what I've become more sure of, more certain of, is his good character. As I've gone on this process of just bringing to, you know that like David, he prayed prayers of doubt. And not only did the Lord like it, he put it in eternal scripture. Like it's in our Bible. He, he asked God, how long? Like it, the promises you gave me doesn't look like they're coming true. Our enemies, they're, 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 but I will praise you. And like, you're wonderful. And I know that it's going to turn for our good. And then like, he's just, he's this emotive worshiper. And guys, him questioning the Lord has birthed faith in millions of hearts throughout history because he asked God hard questions. What if the biggest faith step that we can take is asking God, who we know is good, questions that will lead us into places where we don't know where we're going, but he'll be there. Can we just pray together? Lord, we love your presence, and we thank you for what you're doing in our body, in our families. We thank you for the manifestations of your Spirit's power, and we do pray and ask for, for more of them. God, we, we read through 1 Corinthians, and, and it says to, to earnestly desire these great gifts. And so we, right now, we earnestly desire them, Lord. And we ask for prophecy and, and healing and tongues and in, interpretation of tongues. That would be cool, Jesus. Like, we ask for these wonderful things to, to be present in our body, for the equipping of the saints, the building up the body, for the salvation of the lost, for healing Jesus. Pray that you would increase your power in our midst. And that, that famous uh, prayer of Habakkuk where he says, Lord, I've heard of your fame and I stand in awe of your deeds. Would you renew them? Renew your deeds, those, those deeds where we stand in awe. Renew them in our day and in our time. Make them known. Lord, those amazing things we've read about, we ask that you would do them in our midst and go above and beyond. Just like Jesus prayed, 
those greater works in our, in our presence. And God, I pray that for all of us in this room, Father, that we would be inspired to come to you with those vulnerable, honest, hard questions, Lord, and that we would become people of true faith. In Jesus' name, amen.